Hi there, I'm Martin Teasdale, and this is Get Out of Wrap, the podcast all about contact centres, the people in them, the latest technology, leadership and career lessons, operational best practice, and much more about a great, often misunderstood industry. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. In this episode, I'm joined by the one and only Erica Farmer, founder of Quantum Rise. She's been on twice before. The reason we're getting back together again, she's just delivered a TEDx talk and is about to become a LinkedIn learner. So if you've ever wanted to go on TEDx and do a TEDx talk, this is the episode for you. Now, I feel honoured, actually, because I am I am I can say I'm sat and I know a TEDx speaker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> This will be it's, nothing. This is just talking to me. I know, absolutely. It, well, it's good to be back. So this is the third podcast I know. we've done, right? Hat trick. Hat yeah. Trick. Well, hopefully we're doing something right. <laughs> we must be. <laughs> but yeah, so I think I think we thought we thought today maybe we could share some of the behind the mm. scenes wiring around just public speaking, TEDx as a kind of lens on that. Because I know there's quite an interest from a lot of people who you see it more common on LinkedIn, people that have landed TEDx's and the prep that sits behind that and and just people's goals in general, yeah. really, and what they want to achieve this year. Early, It's the beginning of 2023. So it's people perfect are thinking, timing. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think everyone's kind of... Um, Oh, how common is this then? So my reaction, just loving you and loving your work and seeing that post around that you've got the opportunity to to do TEDx. And my my response was, that is amazing. Well done. I love it. How yeah. did you do it? Yeah, How do yeah, I, yeah. you know, How do you land have you had a lot How of you, that? A lot of people have messaged me directly saying, you know, it's on my life plan at some point, but it's not one of those things that people really know how you get started in, and involved with it. And the way I got into it was, I started doing some public speaking anyway at conferences and events and things like that, which I really started to enjoy. And that's definitely where I'm going to take kind of my contribution of the business going forwards. And I'd always kind of, linked to TED talks for you know if we if we were doing delivery of leadership training or mm. you know it was always some great Simon Simon Sinek stuff or whatever it might mm. be and more and more I started seeing people that were in my network doing TEDx talks I thought oh okay that's quite interesting so I found a guy in the states and was just chatting to him and it turns out that there's lots of people that you can pay lots of tens of thousands of dollars to to help you land a TEDx if that's the way that you want to go that wasn't the way that I wanted to go but people do you know because they get the coaching and they do the applications for them and they know how to write a great TEDx application that's going to get accepted and all that kind of stuff so his tip was they open so every individual TEDx area with all around the world there's hundreds of thousands of them they open a window once a year which is where the speaker applications are invited normally a TEDx event will be run by a licensee that's applied to TED to say I I, want to run a TEDx event there's one in Exeter for example that's been going for about four years now this is why I want to do it this is why I want to bring it to Exeter this is it's going to support Exeter to be on the map and local trade and all, all that kind of great stuff that goes with it so they build a small team around them and they will open speaker applications and the key to it is to go go on to the individual TEDx website for that for that area so TEDx Exeter and you can just google that and just 
subscribe to their newsletters because the newsletters will tell you when they're opening the windows for applications. And there's normally a theme to each TEDx. So I did TEDx Scunthorpe last year and their theme was reimagining. So I talked about reimagining curriculum and education through the digital mindset, for example. So normally the themes are wide enough for you to bring any kind of expertise into it, as long as it kind of fits that in some way. So once you kind of know when the window for application is open, and you, by the way, you don't have to just apply to your local TEDx, you can apply to any around the world if you really want to. I've applied to about six across the UK last year and I landed two. So that's quite a good ratio. Uh, and, and then that's when you go into the process. So the process would be, kind of an initial Google form around what, what's your idea worth sharing and why should you bring it to this TEDx and why should we be interested and all that kind of stuff. And then normally there's a, they ask you to do like a four minute video pitch of your idea so they can see you and hear you speak mm. and that kind of stuff. And then you might have a face-to-face -face interview. You might have a Google Meet interview. I think we had a Google Meet interview for Scunthorpe. And then I heard that I was successful as one of their speakers and I was actually the first speaker up that day. Ooh, so really? yeah, so I I was there to set the tone, which was nerve wracking, but also it was great because I got mine yeah. out of the way. It was done yeah, then. Brilliant. And when I walked off stage, I could see all these speakers who were sat there with these nervous looks on their face. And luckily I was like, Ooh, I've done mine. Done. I can relax now. So yeah, so, that, so it's a little bit hard work doing your research and, you know, just subscribe to some of the newsletters. Um, think about how your idea worth sharing and what, and that has to be something that you're passionate about mm. and it has to be something that you're credible in because if you're not that obviously comes across mm. and some of these TEDx events get like 500 applications you know they get yeah. a lot of applications mm. in so you really have to I guess like applying for a job right you really have to grasp the attention quite quickly in the title of your talk and how you present it with the hook up front what's your first line when they switch go on the video and that's the reason why they want you to come and talk and stuff so it's got a little bit of influencing kind of business development skills yeah. in there as well so how yeah. long was it from so did, did you have the idea first so you thought this was obviously a goal and yeah. then you thought right here's my idea yeah I'm now gonna do my research and I've got this way of looking for TEDx's that relevant because I'm assuming it's you don't have a or do you have a connection to Scunthorpe or is it just that was the that was the one yeah um, I mean I stalked this the, the TEDx licensees on LinkedIn a little bit <laughs> to see what kind of people they were at and I made contact uh, contact to say hey this is me I'm thinking of applying so just put my name in front of you nice, just to recognize clever. it yeah, like so it. Yeah. again that's the kind of influencing mm. thing that I'm talking about and ultimately they come back and say great looking forward to seeing your application there's probably lots of people that do that yeah. as well so yeah. so yeah, yeah. So there wasn't a personal connection for me to Scunthorpe, but I liked the reimagining theme. Yeah, that's nice. And I liked the people who were involved in it as well. And there is an element of, you know, it is an element of numbers game to a degree as well, because inevitably, mm -hmm. the more you apply for, the more likely you are to get your application in front of someone who's interested. So. And that, how long did that period, how long did that process take? Gosh. So I probably started applying. I think I saw, they used to be called Time Hop. Are they memories now on Facebook when it comes up this time last year? Back in the day, I don't glob yeah. onto Facebook too much these days, but I think it was something like 
February, March time last year that I put a status on Facebook or LinkedIn saying, right, now I'm going to start applying for TEDx's wish me luck. You know, so so, yeah, it's like manifesting with the universe, isn't it? If I say it and share it, then it's more likely to happen. So, And I believe that with goals, any kind of goals anyway. affirmations, right, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Mm. People think it's a bit Mm. cheesy, but I think it's it it really helps your own commitment. So, so yeah, so I... Everyone everyone thinks it's cheesy until they try it. Because I I think I look back from some of the... If you you follow it from the times me and you have spoken, Mm. that kind of just starting to do an affirmation. And once you get over the embarrassment of saying something out loud, even if it's just to your well, it mainly it is to yourself, right? Yes. All of a sudden things start to happen. So true. And that's when when you hear people that go, Oh yeah, I I wanted to affirm that I could have the bravery to just go for it myself and that there would be enough interest and backing in the podcast and that I could do yeah. this. Guess what? Here I am. And you listen to people that go, Oh, I used affirmations and it's not that that's led to something, but it's a common thread for everyone that is that is certainly a lot of people that I've listened to anyway I digress <laughs> no but I think you're <laughs> spot on because it, there's an element of yes you're telling yourself so you're more committed mm. to it and out there I I also firmly believe that the kind of fake it to you make it type methodology as well so if you tell people and maybe I'm giving my kind of deepest darkest secret away here <laughs> if you tell people you're good at something and you believe that pe- other people are going to believe it so yeah. when you started talking about get out of rap, you talked about it with real passion and a real belief. Mm. So other people mm. had belief in it as well. So yeah. other people get on board and you haven't quite figured it out yet. And you don't know what it looks like, but you've got the end in mind. And uh, so I think that's all part of that as well. Yeah. And, it's, and it's the right people getting on the bus with you as well, isn't it? Definitely. So you put it out there, February, March. Yep. So I went through the and application then, process and then yeah. I found out August maybe because the application got... process then you said it's documents video yep are they all the same regardless of where the no each TEDx licensee will run it slightly different but I think TED in general who issues the licenses will give them kind of a rough idea of what yeah. they think those application processes some might have a face-to-face event some you know for, for, for a part of an interview type process some might not I didn't for mine which is a good idea because Devon to Scunthorpe's like five hours right <laughs> <laughs> they did it all literally commitment <laughs> I, I would have gone don't get me wrong yeah, of course yeah <laughs> But it saved me a lot of driving time and, and you know, electric miles for not having to drive up and down to Scunthorpe. But, you know, I think we're in a post-pandemic world now that we know that the virtual option is just mm. as good as. So we don't need to yeah. worry about that stuff so much now. But yeah, where, I, I've where, seen... Where, where were you when you found out? I was in my car. I'd pulled over at a Starbucks, as I say, at a, at a Scunthorpe, at a Starbucks. Yeah. And I checked my emails and the email had come through. Congratulations, you've been speaker, you've been yeah. selected as a speaker. And I was like, oh my God. And then I screenshot it and sent it to loads of people. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And it didn't quite sink in. And then I was like, oh my God, now I've got to like put the hard yards in and I've got to get dog care sorted for that weekend. And I've got, <laughs> you know, you go into like practical. Yeah. But I have never, other than thinking about perhaps exams at school and university, 
I haven't put myself under that much pressure to get something so right in such a long period of time. And that says a lot about my personality. I do put a lot of pressure on myself because I want to be the best. I don't want to miss up. But every weekend was writing it, rewriting it, saying it, recording it, doing it audio on my phone, walking the dogs, listening back to it. Poor Haley, my business partner, must have heard it about 16, 17 times, <laughs> you know, help me edit it because I, I tend to write very conversationally anyway, which helps. But I tend to be a bit too clever and try and put big words in when I can put smaller words in. But that trips you up when you're speaking, yeah. particularly when you need to be scripted. So I learned a lot about myself just in that kind of six month period. And it's funny, you go through a typical, I love this, I hate this, I love this, I hate this, because you get you go past all the excitement of, oh, I'm doing TEDx and I've got a great script. And then you have to learn the script word for word. And that's the kind of, oh my God, it's Sunday afternoon and I'm trying to practice my script again. And you end up completely falling out of love with it. But you have to stick with it. You have to do the hard yards because then on the day you stand up in front of all those people and that's your idea worth sharing. And it's, you know, I tripped over a couple of times and it's not perfect, but I'm human and they want to hear the idea and the passion and the credibility. They don't want to hear a robot you know so so you had six you had six months yeah from hearing to delivering how long how long are you talking for it should have been 12 minutes 14 minutes can't remember now 12 or 14 minutes I think I missed a chunk out of it so I think it came in at about 10 minutes on the day (laughs) (laughs) but of course nobody knows I've missed a chunk only I know that I've missed a chunk well you've just Um, told people but I've just told the world that I missed a chunk out of my but yeah but you know uh it was fine and it landed well and you know I'm looking forward to well I want to take you through the day because I'm loving this so how many words how many words is that then in your oh god even I can't tell you words but I can, it was about five and a half pages of A4 typed wow yeah. yeah and then you do you have to provide all of that to the organizers way in advance or? you don't have to give them the script and actually the Scunthorpe guys were pretty laid back about this actually because from mm. what I hear some other TEDx licenses are a bit more like you have to submit the script and it has to be signed off and it has to be word for word and Whereas I think the te- the Scunthorpe guys were more interested in the passion and the delivery, which mm. I think is probably the right thing to do yeah. rather than like getting it right word for word. Because I fell into that trap of I've got to know this word for word and it's got to be this and it's got to be that. And then I kind of that's when I fell out of love with it, really. And a few people mm. said to me, no one's going to know. It's just yeah. just it's your idea just deliver it in the Erica way that we know that's why we've asked you to come and talk and I was like oh my god that's such a basic revelation but I'm so glad somebody said that to me you know because it moved Mm. my thinking forward so yeah and you what about the visuals and things did you have what was the setup oh I have too many questions (laughs) okay the setup (laughs) so it was at John Leggett College in Scunthorpe and they had just invested about 175,000 pound in this massive 180 immersive screen it was was like this it was like what's the the cinema big curved cinema screen that they used to have IMAX it was like a small IMAX yeah so that was pretty cool. So we had all this rigging with these lights and everything. And you could choose whether you wanted visuals or not. I chose to have visuals because it's kind of how I talk 
and a lot of our methodology around you know supporting the storytelling and all that stuff anyway some people didn't have visuals some people just stood there on the red dot and kind of gave their story so there was lots of thinking around the right visuals and the right this and the right that. Typically, my, I was first up, I clicked on from my from my face onto my first visual and there was a massive delay. Of course, I'm like first up on, I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't want to talk too far on because I'm going to miss the visual. Luckily, it came up in the end. But um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, again, from what I hear, some TEDx's say no slides and no visuals. It's just you mm. and and your idea. Some are a little bit more flexible in terms of, you know, it's up to you what you bring and how you do it. So I got up on the stage in front of everybody in the college in this big immersive room that they had, which was pretty awesome. And yeah, I talked for about 10 and a half minutes and then I got a round of applause and then I walked off and then, yeah, it was, yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. And, uh, and then I had the big biggest sense of relief as you can imagine and went and sat down and had a coffee and then just and went oh my god I've done it so and I had my best friend come with me to Scunthorpe for the weekend which was brilliant because I, I came off and she was sat in the crowd and there was a speaker area over here and I didn't check my phone for about half an hour afterwards and I went to check my phone and I had a text message or a WhatsApp message from her saying, you effing smashed it. And I was yes. like, thank God for that. You know, that's yeah. exactly what I needed. So. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. And you, yeah. I saw as well that you, you do like a rehearsal as well. You're up there like, a, were you the yeah. day before? It was the, it was a Sunday before, the weekend before. Just, yeah. So I actually virtualed in. I didn't go up to Scunthorpe for that because a lot of them were local to Scunthorpe. Mm. So they came in and did like. Yeah, just a basic run through really before mm. to make sure everything worked. And so that was nice just to say it through in front of people that weren't my business partner and people that I knew to kind of test run it. Yeah. And that landed really nicely as well. So that gave us the confidence to go and do it real time then. So. And this is something that you would recommend for people to do if they've got that. It- for a couple of reasons I think it's a good stretch for anybody to to do an activity like that particularly if you're somebody who is is particularly passionate about a subject that you want to share because that is the ethos of TED right it's all about creating a movement based on your idea worth sharing and you have to write your script in that way that kind of takes that TED here's the problem this is what we could do to fix the problem here's some evidence that sits behind that and then let's work up to our solution and this is why you should come with me on the journey so Mm. that's what all good TED talks kind of follow and you can do reading around this there's books and all sorts of stuff so yeah so I think that kind of just challenging yourself to do something like that yes absolutely if you are involved in content creation speaking facilitation training whatever it might be it's also a real quality stamp on your delivery Mm. and your personal brand and all that kind of great stuff as well I have loads of engagement off the back of it and you know I know I I, we've had some amazing photos taken which whenever I put them up on LinkedIn I get hundreds of likes and comments and everybody is so supportive and oh yeah amazing can't wait to see it you look incredible you look really confident it looks awesome you know so just that kind of ego stroking <laughs> oh well I'm, yeah I mean I'm, a, I'm a, I was already a fan before but now I'm even more of a fan <laughs> yeah I, I just it's a quality stamp I think isn't it mm, for a lot of people yeah. as well so yeah I, I would absolutely recommend it but 
it's like it's like anything what you see is the fact i've gone on to tedx and i've done a talk and you'll see the recording mm. hopefully soon but it is all of that hard work that builds up to that it's the sunday afternoons writing and practicing yeah. it's the yeah. saturday mornings doing your applications online and recording mm. your videos and like anything good it's about the prep and and the work beforehand really isn't it so, yeah definitely yeah. what what was then so the if it, if the theme is reimagining what was the if that journey that you said then that you follow what was the problem kind of yeah. statement that you started with yeah so my talk was about how we can effectively reimagine the educational system through the digital first mindset so I was talking about the fact I started with a little story of a little girl called Isla who goes to this amazing digital school and she goes she's whisked off to different planets with her virtual reality headset and she gets great one-to-one tutoring from her teacher and her homework is personalized and adaptive based on her own requirements and then I kind of drop the ball and say that's not really Isla's experience at all. This is Isla's experience. She's in a classroom yeah. with 35 other children mm. and she doesn't get mm. the teacher's attention. And so these are the reasons yeah. why we should adopt digital tech and learning methodologies in the classroom and in adult learning as well. And then I talk about some a research that from the World Economic Forum around global financial impact of great online learning and, you know, all that because I back up my argument to why mm in an educational space, we really need to start giving teachers the skills and the confidence to be able to deliver learning in this way. If you think about it, 65% of kids who are aged between five and 11, so in school right now, so that's two thirds of those kids will go into a job that doesn't even exist yet. Yeah. And we're still yeah. teaching maths and English Bumps, and algebra and, you know, mm. it's just crazy. So we should be using this tech that they're already, that's going to be already out of date by the time they go into the workplace. Mm. So we're already kind of double behind on a lot of stuff, mm. let alone mindset and confidence. And, you know, imp- we know employers are already looking for robotics and automation and yeah. AI. And, and so why yeah. aren't we teaching that stuff? You know, why are we waiting mm. for apprenticeship providers or, or leading employers to start picking up that kind of training? When we're missing generations going through schools mm. that are going to be left behind. So wait, all waiting until they're in further education and then say, right, you know, the previous seven, eight years that you've done, <laughs> just forget about that. Oh, well, indeed. Now, right? now we're going to do, do the, now we're going to do the real stuff. Do you think, yeah. um, just thinking about this before, one of the things that struck me was that the pandemic, even if you, so you're talking about the content so and I completely agree by the way but the if you forget the content and think about the delivery the pandemic forced the delivery methodology to be more up up to date right we had three girls in the front room and that I I loved it actually just to be able to kind of get closer to the classroom and and what was going on and this is going to sound trite I guess in comparison to what you're talking about but just as an example parents evenings suddenly became amazing because you didn't have to not find a you couldn't find a parking spot you're it's chaos when you're going to the school you're wandering around it's noisy you get limited time you come away you don't really have a you, you can't really remember unless you've been taking notes compare that to what happened in the pandemic schools were forced to do it online you're taken into zoom meetings teams meetings 
you could have a little timer tells you how long's left you're yeah. then taken into the next one you can sit in your home job done take notes it was so much better and yeah. it's been really disappointing to see now we've just reverted back to right you've got to come to the school why yeah why when it's quantifiably worse yeah. i just don't get it and that's yeah. just the delivery not even thinking about your story there makes perfect sense doesn't it we've got access to all of this amazing technology where you could say hey rather than looking at a picture of the solar system do you want to fly around it <laughs> absolutely can you imagine like, let's go through the rings of saturn do you know what i mean how awesome yeah. would that be let's land on mars you know where, yeah. where humans are going to be in 2030 or whatever so you're absolutely right and there is that element you're you're 100 right there is that element of this isn't about tech and innovation this is about learning practitioner and educational practitioner confidence in delivering pedagogy and delivering teaching and learning in this way. And I was talking at a university conference in November where it was predominantly universities delivering apprenticeships. So work-based learning as well as academia, and they're very much at the start of that journey around, you know, actually we know online can be just as good if not better than sitting in a lecture hall with 30 other people with someone just trying to pump information at you that you're never really going to retain all of it so we know the science like you said and the evidence-based practice that sits behind it is better so why are some some educational establishments pinging back mm. is confidence it's mindset mm. that's where we need to get in with this stuff and then give them the practical tools and techniques to be able to teach online or do parents' evenings online or whatever it might be. Don't get me wrong, there's, there's some great universities. I had a couple of universities reach out to me recently saying, love what you talk about. How do we make that a reality? So there is great aspiration out there with people who have the right mindset. And that, mm. for me, is where it comes mm. down to. So, mm. And this is why I was talking about the digital first mindset. So in my TEDx talk, I say... This, this isn't a crazy conceptual weird thing out there that only some of us get. This is like, you know, your washing machine breaks down. You don't go and phone a washing machine engineer. We might do. Most of us check the error code and then Google it. And it yeah. tells you, take it, turn it off at the, the mains and turn it yeah. back on and it will reset itself rather yeah. than paying 50 quid for an engineer. So that Googling the answer or YouTubing the video that that is what we call the digital first mindset. We don't we don't go to a two day training program when we get an update on our iPhone. Mm. You know, we just have a go and we YouTube yeah. some stuff. Yeah. So this isn't like some weird, crazy thing that's out there. This is we're already doing this stuff. Let's just be more conscious about it when it comes to education and learning. So I got it's so true because I got a monitor stand. And rather than read the 20 page booklet in tiny, tiny writing, I just thought, well, someone has put this together and YouTubed it. Yep. Surprise, surprise. They had yep. just followed it. Yep. Same. I bought a coffee, a Smeg coffee machine a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't come with instructions. It comes with the two minute video. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just the way the world is now. And I know there's generational challenges around this and when I look at kind of what my best friend's kids do, who are like four, five, six, seven, they blow my mind in some of the stuff they talk about. Yeah. So again, this stuff's already moved on. I'm a, I'm yeah. geriatric compared to these guys, <laughs> you know, but we need to, if we're going to gen mm. if genuinely set our kids up for success for the future, for those kind of two out of three kids that are going to go into a job that doesn't exist yet, 
Mm. We need we can't just expect them to rock up and be digital natives and it's okay, they're gonna take care of everything. We need to do our bit as well. Mm. And that's and that's what the talk was about, really. And I what what I summarize is comparing a racehorse against a donkey. You know, they've both got four legs, they both come from the same genome and they both, you know, all the rest of it. But if you put Eeyore up against the racehorse in the Cheltenham Gold Cup, it's not going to be very fair, really. You know, Eeyore (laughs) probably won't get very far, whereas the racehorse will get there within a couple of minutes. But we're still banking on Eeyore to be able to do the race and we need to shift our mindset to the racehorse, really. I love that. I love that. So that Mm -hmm. was your, after after the problem and Isla... And then yeah. do you then start to talk about it's it's this isn't like you said, it's not conceptual, it's here and now. Yeah. Yeah. And here's here's Absolutely. What so here's the example. So I talk about the washing mm. machine. I talk about mm. getting the flat pack furniture and not having instructions. <laughs> I talk about, you know, pulling into a God. car park and the only way that you can pay is an app on your phone. Yeah. You know, and you don't have any change. It's just small things like that that we're already living with. Mm. It's just making conscious decisions on how we take that living in 2023 and actually how do we take some of that mechanism and put that consciously into design and delivery of education and learning and we're already doing stuff like that now so we know just example like your your parents evening example we know now that you've designed delivery online differently to how you do in the classroom historically Mm. it's a different Mm. mindset so we need to consciously make that decision that we're going to do it in this way. We're not going to have lots of conversations and stick people in breakout rooms and think oh, that's going to do the job because it's not. We need to build in e-learning and asynchronous learning with engagement and interaction and scenario-based learning so people can critically think about what they would do in that situation rather than just testing me on a bunch of legislation that I'm never going to look at again. Mm-hmm. So let's just be really conscious about how we do this stuff. We don't need to blow people's minds. We don't need to reinvent the wheel you know for another another cliche but you know we're, we're not trying to put people on mars <laughs> you know it's yeah. not that difficult yeah yeah <laughs> you know but let, let's just kind of do our bit for the generations that are going to need us to do that bit right now so we can do you know what we can to support them when they are going to go into those jobs of the future or that those apprenticeships or that learning or whatever that might be so and surely all these the, the digital realm means that you're more respectful of the learner or the recipient because mm-hmm. it's it's more efficient they should be in a better frame of mind mm-hmm. and then it's all about the the content as opposed to recognizing that again going back to that parents evening analogy if i by the time i've come to sit opposite the teacher i'm my stress levels are going to be higher if I've just logged in. You're flustered, you're late. Mm. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And this is the shift between, and we're seeing this a lot in universities, this gap. This is the shift between being tutor focused, lecturer, professor, trainer, whatever you want to call it, and learner focused. They are mm. two very different things. So the school that you're talking about, are they really focused on your experience and the student experience or are they focused on the teacher <laughs> experience? It sounds like it's the teacher experience rather yeah. than maybe a bit of both, you could argue. But, you know, we are here. Our ultimate aim is that learner, attendee, delegate, whatever you want to call that person, goes and does something different off the back of what we've done. Mm. Our aim isn't to deliver content you know, and then it stops. And then it's your responsibility to do what you want to do with it. Good luck. 
So we need to make that shift really of, you know, how do I facilitate that learning so that learner goes and does something rather than just teach? And that's the change that we need to start thinking about and making. And, you know, I've given the universities a bit of a hard time on this session today, but there's people who genuinely want to make that yeah. step. And actually, there's some that don't. You know, there's a lot of professors who are there and lecturers who are there because they want to be published, published mm. academics. And that's their drive. And mm. they have to do some teaching on the side. But they're not bothered <laughs> about the teaching. They just have to do it to make up the hours. Yeah. And it's like, if you're, if you're not genuinely passionate about what you do or the goals that you want to achieve, whatever that might be, then don't do it. Don't do it half-assed. Mm. If you want to do it, then bloody well do it and put everything mm. behind it because no one's going to do it for you, right? Mm. You know, this magic unicorn's not going to turn up that you can just jump on the back and everything's going to be great and there's going to be a, a shiny rainbow at the end of it. Life doesn't work that no, way. That, yes, so. it does. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we, ha we have to consciously make the decisions that are going to steer us to where we want to be. So. How did you, what was the finale? How did you kind of, was that, where did you, is there a call to action? Is it recommended yeah. that there's there's something else that yeah. people can... Absolutely. You need to leave the audience with a, I want to go and learn a bit more about that, or I want to go and have mm. a conversation with that person or whatever that might be. And I think my wrapping up was that kind of space of it's no longer good enough to just do what we currently do it's no longer good enough to just expect the ge next generation to pick up the pieces mm -hmm. you know what we, we need to step up to that digital plate now and provide them with the support to do that whether you're a, a teacher a parent a governor mm -hmm. a trainer whoever that might be you know this is a call to action for you yeah. so yeah you have to leave them on that bang let's go Let, let's get let's get this movement going you know so yeah. i love it so you and the video of that they're gonna pub they're gonna publish that yeah when is so that it, coming out it all goes to ted officially for their people to watch all of them if you think about this hundreds of the, these each yeah. day being filmed around the world so it obviously has to go to ted to make sure there's no political commentary i'm not trying to sell mm. my business on it la la mm. la you know it, he adheres to ted's rules so i've been told back end of this month that it nice. should go live on the ted youtube channel tedx youtube channel we've signed kind of speaker release forms which means they own the content so i can mm -hmm. share the content but i can't kind of take down the video and do what i want to do with it because i don't own it tedx owns mm -hmm. it the really really good ones get selected to go on ted.com so that's the ultimate aim, really, is that, you know, most people get on the YouTube channel, but it's like, are you good enough to actually get on <laughs> TED.com? So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> It'd be and amazing. You said you, you said you got accepted for two. Does that mean there's another one? You're doing another one? Yeah, absolutely. So I was accepted for Scunthorpe and I was accepted for Doncaster. The Doncaster event I was accepted for was going to run last year, but it's now moved to this year, which is in reflection is is I'm glad because mm. I put myself under enough stress for one TEDx, let alone two. Plus I was filming for LinkedIn Learning as well. So that was another thing going on at the time. I don't do things by half. So yes, yeah, so October is the TEDx event oh, in Doncaster. So I'm just kind of figuring out where they are with themes and all that kind of stuff at the moment. Because I, I might need to change my original idea for this one. Hey everyone, it's Martin. 
I just want to take a moment to thank everybody at the Lemon Contact Centre. It's thanks to Lemon that I'm able to bring you this episode today. They absolutely know their stuff when it comes to call answering, live chat, email management, managing apps and SMS, business process outsourcing. So why not check them out? So. not content with TEDx you're doing LinkedIn learning I've, I've just filmed a course for LinkedIn learning as well wow. so I did that I filmed that 19th 20th and 21st of December so that should be coming out in March and that's about management development and, and learning agility so that kind of um, skill that our teams are going to need to be able to learn very quickly and apply very quickly and change tact very quickly to be able to support organizations to maintain competitive edge in a, in a difficult world. So, yes, yeah, so I've been working with LinkedIn. Learning How did that come States. about? So once again, I stalked the right people on LinkedIn, <laughs> which I'm quite good at. And I, I, a message or two later, like there's LinkedIn producers and content creators and people for LinkedIn learning online. And they're always looking at like who's in the market, who's doing instruction and teaching and mm. facilitation mm. and stuff like that. So I, again, massive process to get through with those because they work with like the Simon Siddicks of the world, right? And, you know, the, these kind of guys. So I had to do a one-to-one interview and then I had to film a micro teach and then I had to write a pitch script. And then I had to write what the names of like, because, you know, the chapters and LinkedIn learning, they're like, you know, about 15 yeah, yeah. mini videos, aren't they? So what each of those, so each of this stage goes back to LinkedIn learning for a committee sign off and feedback and all this kind of stuff. Um, and we got to an amazing space where they're like, yeah, love the course, love the titles, love how you deliver. Here's, they gave me a little bit of feedback about my delivery, which is really helpful as well, because it needs to appeal to a global audience. Right. So in terms of your nuances, you can't be very British in terms of some of the words and phrases yeah. that you might use. You've got to be more American in that space. So that was pretty cool. And then I had a load of filming equipment arrive in my front room in November, December. Prior to pandemic, they were flying all the instruction instructors over to the States to the LinkedIn wow. learning campus. Damn it. They might ca- yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was just happy enough just doing, yeah, doing yeah, stuff yeah. in my front room. And then so I had three producers online with me when I was reading all my scripts off a teleprompter, which was exhausting over two days because you have to be like, mm. hi, my name's Erin. <laughs> That's hard work. I had a producer from the States online and two producers from the UK online. No, stop that. Reread that. Redo that bit. Yeah, that's to get, got that in the bag. Da, 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 da. Um, so that comes out in March. So, Brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. So everything seemed to, to happen the at the end back. of the year. Yeah, they came and got it and packed it all Damn up it. and everything. <laughs> but it was, yeah, proper cameras and, you know, LED light bulbs that they were replacing all the light bulbs in my front room with like these proper lighting light bulbs and all this kind wow. of stuff. So proper setup. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing yeah. i'll tag you on linkedin there's a couple of pictures on there so i'll tag you so you can have yes, so. yes <laughs> and this is, is a... all this is all from your goal setting isn't it this is all 100%. from you just going yeah this is what i've, I've got to have these these yeah. goals 100 percent. so my three goals were land a tedx talk i've got two do a linkedin learning course and lose some weight so yeah so all three all. i've done all three yeah so now I'm like, what am I going to do this year? <laughs> Maybe I might give myself like a few months off. Who knows? But that's not in my nature, to be honest. No. <laughs> Even as you said that, you were qualifying it yourself, weren't you? Yeah, I know. It's just uh, sometimes it's like 
it's it's going after all this stuff and giving yourself like these goals and things is amazing but it's very easy to overstretch yourself sometimes and not give yourself enough time and and headspace and I don't have a family to deal with and to manage and and all the rest of it so I've got time on my own to be in my head and do the prep work it takes a lot this stuff so if you are thinking about doing a LinkedIn learning course or a TEDx or something like that just be really sensible in terms of assessing what is your free time and how much energy and mind space can you put into something because there's there's nothing stopping you doing that if you've got any kind of commitments or obligations but it just takes a lot of time and effort so mm. I've probably been guilty of overstretching myself at times but again that's that's just in my nature really so push it hard push it hard push it harder what else can we do you know crazy but it's been it? it's, it's been illuminating to and so informative just to hear that kind of the process and it's it's yeah. it's a glib cliche but the journey behind TEDx and that hearing from you and and seeing the seeing the passion but also understanding the sheer amount of work that um that goes into it mm. you know because I I imagine that I imagine there's a lot of people that when you were talking earlier on were thinking I wonder what my Yes. Title would be. What's my idea worth sharing? Yeah, mm. absolutely. And that's what you've got to pin down first. Mm. It's been really clear on that. And how much do you believe in that? Because if you don't, it will you, you won't buy into it. You won't want to do mm. the Sunday afternoon script writing and all the rest of mm. it. Yeah. Well, Erica, we're gonna definitely have to do another one. I mean <laughs> <laughs> and you're, Brilliant. Part, you're part you're partly responsible for the fact that I sit here as a self-employed person heading into the heading into the year we should have recorded those conversations <laughs> yeah well maybe let's do some maybe I'll interview you on the next one and you can talk about your journey because I think people would be really interested in that particularly now you've made that step from employed to self-employed you're going through that journey which as you know a lot of people consider not everybody takes that step because it is a mm. bit daunting and a bit scary it's probably one of the biggest decisions I ever made so yeah. maybe let's just turn the tables. Yeah, let's let's it. flip it next time. <laughs> yeah. But Erica Farmer, TEDx speaker, Quantum Rise, LinkedIn learner. Thank you so much for coming on again. You're awesome. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> what a great guest Erica is, isn't she? Thanks so much for listening. If you're a first time listener, please do help me out by hitting the subscribe button on your podcast platform so I can bring you other great guests and great content. Thanks very much and take care.